Hello, and welcome back to the Irish Tennis Updates podcast. My name is Adam, your host. This week, I am talking to Mark Carpenter. Mark has been involved in tennis for his whole life and has had a lot of experiences in the sport, from winning fits under 12, uh, then moving to Switzerland um, for the pretty much the remainder of his junior days and getting to experience um, tennis over there. And he's also had good successes as a player, playing league for, for NACE, also playing in Trinity, playing in, in Oxford University as well. Um, and, and in addition to that, Mark has also um, worked in, in committees for the Irish Open event, for Leinster Tennis, for Fitzwilliam. He, he's, he's learned a lot in those experiences. And I was really interested to, to talk to Mark and see what, what he has learned um, about Irish tennis from, from experiences like that. We also touch on... on on what um, Irish tennis can learn from the Swiss, in particular in relation to competition, um, a rating system and, and how they structure their competition throughout the year and, and during the summer. And um, I really enjoyed talking to Mark and um, getting his thoughts. He's a, he's a great, great guy in tennis. Um, I think you will enjoy this episode. I think we'll all take something from it. And with that, I will pass you on to Mark Carpenter. Enjoy. Um, so Mark, a big thanks for, for coming on today. Um, how are things at the moment with you? Yeah, great. Thanks for uh, thanks for inviting me on, Adam. I've seen you've had a, a lot of uh, illustrious guests on on before me that I I probably can't compete with uh, in terms of uh, accolades on 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 the tennis court. But uh, you know, hopefully we'll have a, an interesting discussion in any case. <laughs> no, all good. I'm looking forward to it. Um, to, just to, to to jump in, um, kind of how did. Did your kind of tennis journey start? How, how do you, or what memories do you have of, of early, early uh, tennis days? Yeah, sure. So uh, I had, no one had, had played tennis before in, in my family, actually. My parents didn't, didn't play tennis and there were no kind of uncles or aunties who played either. Um, but uh, I, I, despite that, I started playing tennis very early. Um, so my first experience was my, my granny, my granny had a, um, had a sort of caravan and a mobile home in one of those mobile home parks in, in Wexford, which we actually uh, have, you know, recently purchased ourselves, the same one, um, uh, go down there with our own two kids now. So literally about three years of age, uh, I'd be, I'd be kind of hitting, hitting balls down there. It just so happened that it overlooked the two tennis courts that were uh, in the kind of in the center. And I thought that looked like great crack. Uh, so from from yeah from literally about three I'd be uh, you know using some sort of makeshift racket and, and going out and kind of hitting hitting anything uh, that resembled a ball um, and then I also had the the for- good fortune to live pretty near the tennis club in Nice um, only maybe a five five minute walk away uh, so I joined there as soon as as soon as I could which I think at the time you had to be eight officially I think I got in at about six nearly seven. I think we've got a bit more progressive since then. I think you could join any age at this point, but uh, yeah, join there. Yeah, six, six going on seven, uh, and yeah, just started playing loads from from an early age. I was a, an early starter, and I, I just played played loads and loads and loads of tennis. I, I I remember I one of the things I used to do when I was only uh, six or seven, which sort of both reveals my uh, love of tennis and then also maybe my nerdiness was. I used to get a copy book from from work, from school, and I'd make out an entire 128 draw of of all the players I could think of or could could see on on the TV or whatever, and then in my in my living room, I'd have the couch lined up against the wall, and I'd have a, a sponge ball 
and a plastic racket. And I'd play an entire kind of Grand Slam event. And when I'd be playing, I'd hit one shot as if I was one player and the next shot as if I was the other player. And if the ball went into the cage, that was the net. So it was point to the other guy. And I'd play at the whole tournament uh, from beginning to end. So yeah, uh, that was sort of my, 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 my early sort of early introduction to tennis so went, went, went big pretty early <laughs> yeah, it, it's great to, to start that stuff early and <laughs> um, just, just how do you look back then on, on, on junior tennis and growing up and getting a bit older and, and playing again gets more competitively yeah so uh, I got I started playing competitively pretty 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 early as well so I sort of was on my in the first Leinster squad when I was under eight and seven eight and played my I played my first te- first tennis tournament in uh, the, the NACE under nines, uh, I was seven at the time, and I played three matches. I played, I can tell you the names of the three players I played. I played Stephen Klusky, James's older brother. I played a guy called Hugo Johnson, and I played a guy called Mark Ward. I think subsequently was, was pretty good at badminton, if I believe so. Uh, I lost 9 0 in all, all three matches, uh, but you know, competitive 9 0 was, was what I was telling myself. Uh, so that was that. That was sort of you know the, the, the very early stages. Uh, then the next year, I think kind of came back and, and did a bit better. I said under eight, I think I made the, the semis. Lost to Barry King, I believe. Close match. It's a close match. Then I played a few subsequently with him when we were both when I was ten, he was eleven. That weren't so close. Uh, I remember that was a bit of a, a, bit of a close one. Um, and then yeah, so kind of kind of kept kept playing um, nines, tens, elevens, twelves, kind of. My peak was probably that in the in the in the twelves. I won fifth that year. Kind of um, strong, strong year group actually. Ever beat uh, beat Tristan Farnman in the in the last sixteen. Then Darren McLaughlin in the quarters. Klusky in the semis. He still gives out that it was windy on the day. Said that that suited suited me because you know, you know he hit better shots and I was better tactics allegedly. Uh, and then a guy called Brian Fearon who who didn't really play tennis at all after after the twelves beat him in in the final. It's great. Uh, I kind of had an advantage at that age. I was pretty emotionally mature, so I, I, you know, never the best shot maker uh, or the strongest or the best forehand or backhand or, or anything else. But it's pretty emotionally mature, and I kind of realised if you you know if you're under twelve, if you can't hit the ball in a lot, that kind of goes a long way. So I kind of focused on trying to hit it in a lot, and then also had sort of the attack drop shot lob combo was it was a favorite of mine again a lot of 11 year olds are pretty small even even Klusky. uh so you know a bit of a drop shot bit of a lob was definitely a go-to play uh, at that point um so then actually when i was 12 i um my family moved to switzerland um for for the next six years sort of all a secondary school basically um and actually you know obviously we can we can talk about this later if you want because it is interesting even though like the Swiss tennis system is, is well known and it, it, it is, is excellent in many ways. On a, on, a, on a personal level, I actually kind of went backwards at the start. Didn't really find a tennis club uh, that was great, early doors, um, kind of new country as well. And kind of 12 to 14, I, I went backwards. I mean, it didn't help as well. It didn't grow at all. So at 12, I was like not the tallest, but kind of decent-ish height, tall enough to be competitive. And at 14, a lot of lads had grown and I was like still tiny. So I was, I was, I was, I was, I was not a strong under 14 by any chance. Um, and then kind of 15, 16, kind of got back into it. Um, found, a, found a really good club in the, in the area, kind of got playing again. Um, again, it was, was never, 
kind of one of the best. There were kind of always four or five guys in the age group in Switzerland who were who were a level ahead of me, who I wasn't really that competitive with. But I uh, kind of got into a league team there, kind of see, you know, playing kind of senior league. Uh, had a great time. So played a lot of adult tournaments, kind of money tournaments. You know, again, my you know I was entering them not at the the very final stages where the the heavy hitters were, but they were you know a great experience in itself. Um, and then um, kind of at eighteen, we we were we were done. We 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 moved back home. But that was kind of my my kind of my, my junior tennis experience. I didn't didn't really come home. Um, between 12 and 18 months, I think I came back and played maybe one fits. Like the lads, I'm sure, would have passed me out anyway as they kind of, their sort of superior tennis ability uh, kind of came through and my uh, maybe emotional maturity was less of a of, a, of an edge at, at 16 or 17 than it was at 11 or 12. But um, that was kind of my uh, my junior test story. I, al- I also started coaching at a pretty early stage. So I was coaching in Switzerland from, from 16. Um, which was great, making making money hitting tennis balls as sixteen year olds. What's that to like? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And just on that, in in on your time in Switzerland, I guess you said that at the, at the start maybe it didn't do do great for you. But what, what do you think are are some of the differences in in the Swiss tennis system compared to the system in Ireland? Maybe facilities, maybe competition. Yeah, and no, any... it's an interesting question. Um, as I said, like I wouldn't I wouldn't generalize too much from my own experience, my own experience, which was. Reasonably unique, and for lots of you know, for lots of different reasons. Um, but as a system, that you know, the Swiss system is a good system. Um, it has to be said, and you can see they they always do churn out a kind of steady stream of of, of decent players. I mean, obviously you've got the, the Federers who are sweet generous. You know what I mean? Uh, not sure if, if the Swiss system can can claim too much there, uh, as much as he's he is who he is. But you know, they'll always churn out a, a decent number of players in both male and males and females so i think what 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 they have going for them okay so first look they have they do have money they have they have lots of money it's a very very wealthy country and with that comes very good facilities so they kind of have a very good mix of lots and lots of clay courts um for the summer um and then they've lots and lots of indoor centers then that that are playable in the winter um and in the indoor centers they'll have a mix of and indoor clay, and then also indoor hard courts, indoor carpet, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I suppose one of the most impressive things they have, though, in terms of what they do, in terms of when I, when I look at maybe a comparison between, you know, Switzerland and, and Ireland, is that just the amount of competitive opportunities there are um, to play tennis there. If you were, and this is both the case for, for juniors and then also even for kind of, competitive adults right so if if, if they they would have multiple tournaments every single weekend all year long Um, and what they have as well is they have have a rating system similar to say what they have in 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 france or or germany place like that so the way it works in switzerland is everybody has a has a rating um you have to have a license you you pay a fee to the the national body and with that you get a a card which is you know i think there's some insurance element to it as well but it also gives you a, a rating and the ratings are, there's a 13 point scale. So there's N1 to N4. N1 is top 10 players in the country, Federer, Orinka, et cetera. Um, N4 is the, the guys ranked 70, 70 to 150, still, you know, strong players, um, you know, at minimum class one and you know, higher end of class one type, type, type players at that level. And then or one to or nine, um, or nine being somebody who's just played his first, first ever match, say. Um, 
the N stands for national, the O stands for, 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 for regional. Um, and what that means is that not just do they have lots and lots of tournaments, but in those tournaments, they are arranging the tournaments by rating. So they're ensuring that as a player, you're getting lots and lots of competitive matches because the way the draws are done is if you're an or four, you will be in a tournament and, and whatever tournament you're in, you'll enter the draw in that tournament and you're going to play an or four, an or five, an or six first, say. And then look, maybe you have a couple of wins and maybe they're like, okay, and then, then you start playing and maybe an or two, an or three, an or one. And it just means, obviously, from a player development perspective, you're just getting so many competitive matches uh, and you've always got to have something to aim for as well. Uh, and then in the summer, in the big tournaments, so they'll have, that's it, they'll have tournaments every weekend of the year, all, all through the year. And then they will have some kind of bigger tournaments in the, in, in the summer with a decent amount of prize money. And the way they run them, uh, the, the, the bigger ones, and the club I eventually found my way in, ran one of the bigger ones is they, they'll start the tournament um, on a certain date with the or seven or nine. That, that, that's, that's pretty much your class seven-ish, maybe class six to seven people. They'll play matches. They'll have kind of their own tournament. The top four guys from, from that draw will all qualify for the or four to or six tournament. So let's say that's like kind of, I don't know, class three, class four and, and then they'll play out and they'll play, so they'll play out then from, from that point as well. The guys haven't stopped in the semis. Then you'll have your or one to or three guys come in again, four guys or so from the or four to or six will go up. You'll have your or one to or three tournament. And then you'll have maybe four guys from that who will go to the N1 to N4 tournament. And the N1 to the N4 tournament, um, just quite a decent amount of money on the, on, on the line there. And even within the N1 to N4, they'll have a bit of a rate of draw. So, you know, the N4 type of guys who might be, you know, as I said, upper level kind of class one um, players will come in. And then if the, if the tournament's been able to attract kind of an N1, like, you know, a, a proper maybe challenger level tour player, he, he, he won't even just enter at the start of the N1, N4. He'll even get a, a kick down maybe to the quarters or so of, of, of that draw. So, you know, again, just to, what it ensures that people are constantly playing competitive matches against people who are of a similar enough standing to them. What it also does as, as, a, as a further benefit is it allows the tournament to attract some, you know, very, very, you know, very, very, um, you know, good players, you know, players with, you know, decent world rankings who know they can come in and they're only necessary, maybe only going to need to be there from say the Thursday or even the Friday yeah. of the tournament, come maybe play Friday, Saturday, Sunday, have a chance to win it, you know, a decent amount of money. It'll attract people down to watch the event. Um, and what they'll do then at the final weekend is they'll run the kind of the finals of all the events. So all the, uh, the, yeah. those guys say who started in the or seven or nine, and then maybe they got down to the or four or six and they lost the or four or six. They'll come back and play their or seven or nine final as well. And they'll play, play all the finals. And it also creates a bit of atmosphere then because it gives you diff more people um, kind of on site for the, the, the kind of the pro or the, you know, the N1 final as well. So just, I, I just thought it was, a, you know, it was just a really good system for people of all levels being able to play lots of competitive matches. And, and if I had to say, if there's, you know, if one kind of dream is to, what we could maybe hope at some point to, to, to replicate in Ireland, it's something like that. You know, you're not going to get access to um, maybe centuries of Swiss wealth that have built the level of um, indoor tennis facilities that they have in Switzerland overnight. But you'd be hopeful that that sort of kind of structured competition 
uh, is something that, and I know you know progress has been made in that regard, but that's something that we could could work towards more uh, in Ireland as, as something that is probably more realistically achievable than the uh, than, than than just getting the facilities up overnight. Yeah, no, that sounds really interesting. And two things um, when it came to me just when you were um, saying that. Firstly, I guess the the benefit of that is that it's going to give everybody in the draw can theoretically play, you know, yeah. up. so, you know, if I'm a class seven player, you know, and I keep winning, I can play, you know, as, as high level and like, it's all available Ab- to me. You know, Absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. So, so, so as I said, the, the kind of all year round weekend tournaments, they will be generally like focused on a level yeah. and you just play that level and that's it. But the bigger tournaments in the summer, absolutely. And you know, you, you could enter, you know, um, as, as, as yeah. And the or seven draw and you're right. Theoretically you could be playing, I mean, yeah, Fed's not playing them, but you could be playing, you know, a guy 180 in the world. If yeah. if somehow you yeah. are very underrated as a or seven, and uh, but there is there is a, yeah there is a theoretical route up the draw for you to do so, yeah. And the second thing that um, I was wondering there was that it, are those ratings are they independent of of age and of gender? Is that kind yeah, of a, uh, a rating? So, of... so they are independent of age, yeah, yeah. So they, so it's it's a pure level based system. Uh, but it, 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 they're not independent of gender. So I know with UTR, obviously it's it's completely um, gender neutral in that regard. So no, in in Switzerland you do have uh, you've a, you've a male rating, male rating and a female rating. So you you have a female N11 as well. You know yeah. who um, I can't remember off the top of my head who's the current top Swiss female player. Um, but yeah, you you do have two separate ratings for for men and women. But but age wise, no, it's not. It's 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 purely um, level based. Yeah, yeah, no, that that sounds really good, and I guess it is something that could, you know, could could be maybe brought in here. And I think there are talks of of things like that in terms of the rating system of, yeah, of having that in here and and, and that being a structure for competitions. I've seen any. I I think I saw an email recently about hopefully the the ITF rating coming in. I I, I do and. Yeah, you know, there have been things that have come in, in the past and gone, but you know, I do think that would be that's that's just so crucial. You know, because, particularly it's even more important in a country like Ireland because you know, you're not going to have the the level of depth. You know what I mean of 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 players, right? That say a, a France or someone like that does. So it's even more important that you know a, a good junior player. Um, say say you got a really good 13, 14 year old. It's even more important in Ireland that they're exposed to playing. You know, guys of their of their level, um, of who are who are older than it is maybe in in a country where there may be more good level fourteen year, very very yeah. strong fourteen year olds for them to play. So yeah, no, I really really hope it comes in uh, and is is well utilized. Yeah, absolutely. Now, just another couple of points that I want to touch on, maybe on on Irish tennis. Um, I know I was looking at an article that you wrote with um James Kluski a few years ago on on a few of these points and um. A few of the ones you had in there, things like more competition and, you know, the, the court surfaces that I think are very, you know, stand out as, as kind of clear points that, you know, I think pretty much everyone will agree that those are um, you know, things that we need to, to improve. Um, a couple of things that weren't so maybe obvious, things like um, like players giving back. So I think this idea of, of, you know, if you receive funding, maybe then you, you give something back to Irish tennis. So would you just elaborate a little bit on, on, on what that would look like for us. Yeah, so and I, I think that this points a little bit even to the, the, the point I was making uh, about how the, the, the draws were run, say, for the event. So look, I think look, my starting point on this is, you know, I th- look, 
I, as much I want to support, you know, the our you know, elite players as much as the next person. You know, we and, and we know how how expensive that is and how difficult it is. But you know, we we also have to be you know realistic about the funds that are available to you know the governing bodies of the sport. You know, either at you know national level or the provincial branches. You know, I mean, you can go and have a look at the Tennis Ireland accounts online. They're the public document. You know, it's it's not like there's millions of euro just kind of sloshing around there that can be you know spent on x and y player that's you know it's 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 it, that's just not the case you know what i mean things things are 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 reasonably tight you know in terms of what's what's actually available so then you kind of you get to okay if there's limited funds how can we support players while at the same time making sure that any support we're providing to our elite players doesn't just benefit you know has 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 the widest possible benefit for you know tennis in the country right so you want to try and create a system whereby if if you, if you are providing that financial support that you're able to clearly see a benefit you know at a more grassroots level as well so to, to give you a couple of, of of examples or obvious you know of how you could do it so so one to touch on the on the tournament tournament example is if you know if you did have a system where and you know you have those sort of national tournaments um that we that we all know of you know if if you could structure them in such a way whereby you know your your top players could potentially um come in and play those tournaments but in such a way that maybe they don't have to be available for for seven days or for eight days because you can you can do the draw in such a way that you know that their level is such that they should really only come in maybe a quarterfinal stage on, on, on Thursday or, or or Friday. You can provide a mechanism by which they can earn sort of money that they need to to sustain them on tour. And you're also given a, a kind of a jump to the tournament and to the to the kids that they can come down and see, you know, their their Davis Cup or their Fed Cup level players who at the moment, they probably have very few opportunities to 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 see in the year, right? So, I, you know, I, I think that that that's one that's one way of doing it. And you know, and then the second way is you you could be you could be more direct, whereby you could say, okay, we're going to bring something in for 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 Davis Cup or Fed Cup, say, whereby you know, if you make the Davis Cup or or, or Fed Cup team, you know, we we will provide a a payment to you, but that's not that's going to be you know, conditional, not just on, on playing, say, Davis or Fed Cup, but also on, you know, doing a, a an agreed upon number of hours at National Centre, at clubs, at, you know, you could imagine something around, you know, Fitz Week when there's loads and loads of kids on on, 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 on site, you could do an exhibition, you could do a, a clinic, you know, if you, if you are a, an Irish, um, you know, kid who's mad about tennis, the reality is because of the way that the tour is structured, you you wouldn't have that many opportunities to see the top Irish players play or to interact with them, to talk to them. You know, we I can't remember the last time we had a home Davis Cup match. Even uh, you know, I go to every one of them, and I, I actually can't remember the last time we had one. So, you, you, if you want to inspire that generation, you, you want them to be exposed to those players. So, I think it would make sense that you know, you you come to an arrangement and you say, okay, we are going to provide. Some more support than we do today but it's not going to be just for you to play we have to get something sort of a return on that investment that's beyond just supporting your career as important that is as important as that is in and of itself um we also have to you know see you uh maybe a little bit more domestically be they in tournaments exhibitions clinics 
you know, something like a you know a junior fits where you've got lots and lots of your your, your top kids all. And hopefully, hopefully, we can go back to a time where we do have lots and lots of people all in one place at the same time. Obviously, that's not something that uh, that we can do right now. But you know, it, it, that that that's the type of dynamic I'm I'm, I'm talking about. And you know, like if if you look at examples from 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 Europe, you know, when I was in, when I was in Switzerland, um, you know, we had those sort of money tournaments, and it was very very common for, you know futures even challenger level players to be playing in those tournaments and you know in in those clubs um you know because the, you know the, the reality is is that you know playing futures week in week out um or the you know the itf the, the women's equivalent you are not going to earn enough money to to sustain yourself on tour you you need alternative sources of income that's that's just the reality so it, it's finding the, the way to support those guys while at the same time realize the great greatest possible benefit for for tennis more generally. I mean, one other thing I could you know, point to as well is that, you know, one, one big source of funds for, for guys in, in, in Switzerland, and it's not the only country like that, was, was sort of league tennis. So, so the team I played for, um, my home club, um, the top two guys in the team while I was there were, were both Argentinian, and they were both um, professional tennis players, as in they weren't coaches, they earned a living purely from basically purely from playing tennis, but they never played a single uh, ATP event. And I say ATP event, I mean that in the, in the, in the wider sense, as in they never played a Futures, never played a Challenger. What they did was they entered into a contract with the club and the club provided them with a sort of a stipend, a, a sort of a, a wage, let me say, for the, the four months. Uh, no, sorry, not, it wasn't quite four months. Um, maybe three months of, of the of the wider league campaign. In return, they played every league match, obviously, and then they also had wider commitments around the club to you know kids clinics, to hitting with juniors, to doing various sort of things to sort of bring on um, sort of the, the kids in the club uh, more more generally. Um, and I, I think again, those type of models are are great. You know, I mean, it, 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 it was always one of those sort of funny kind of controversies in, in league tennis where someone heard someone was getting paid to play league tennis and this was the greatest outrage in the, in the history of, of, of Ireland, you know, and maybe that's the sort of, I don't know, GAA background and obviously the sport should be amateur, etc. But I don't know. But as it, it was a system that worked well because, you know, what you got is people who were, you know, either aspiring professionals or, or, or professional level players were able to earn an income that was, you know, largely derived from their, from their, from their tennis ability. But that that tennis ability didn't just benefit them, that they were, you know, having to, in return for that income, they obviously had to play the matches and people came in and watched them and they had you know, other commitments to give back that then benefited sort of all the kids in the club. So again, you know, if, 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 if a club in Ireland was to do something like that, I, I, I think that'd be great. I certainly wouldn't criticise. I think it would be worthy of uh, uh, commendation as opposed to condemnation. You know, I think that that sounds like a great setup for for them, but also for obviously the club and the the area and stuff. And then yeah. just just a, a comment on on um on, on what I guess a, a point that I would have heard a lot is is that you know the the top players in the country should be playing the tournaments you know during the summer I guess in particular more. And I guess what what you were saying about that setup in terms of you know coming in at the quarterfinal stage is something that that would make that more realistic you know if you're not asking them to play maybe a whole week and seven matches you're just asking them to play maybe three matches it seems easier for them but it still has the benefit for the the club and the tournament and, and the people say watching around 
Yeah, I mean that would be my that would be my take on it, you know. And 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 you know, and while there may be you know a benefit to the one individual person who plays them in the first round and loses six love six love, I don't think that's really in 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 the wider interest, you know. But having them in the event and coming in at a later stage, I think, makes sense uh, in in a wider sense, both potentially for the player and and also for the uh, obviously for the tournament and for the club hosting the, the tournament as well. Yeah, I think that does make a lot of sense. Um, and then just to, to move on a little bit, um, I know you've kind of had a, a, a variety of, of roles, I guess, in, in the tennis community in, in Ireland. And, um, and also you've, you've had some experience as well as in, in Switzerland. You've, I believe you, you had to play some in Oxford, um, some tennis. Yeah. So just what, what, what's your experience of that and maybe anything that you learned there as well? Yeah, so I, I, was, had to, I went to university there. I did my undergrad there a um, long time ago now, 04 to 07. Um, and I played in the tennis team um, all three years, and I was captain of the, in my last year. And look, it was a fantastic experience. Uh, the reality is, is that we got opportunities that were far beyond our station as tennis players um, by virtue of sort of the brand name that kind of comes with Oxford University, um, for better or for worse, probably unfair, but obviously as a beneficiary of, of it, as I was, it was, it was great. So... So I got to play uh, a lot, of, you know, many times at the All England Club at Wimbledon, um, which was which was amazing. Always always like a, a privilege. Got to play it. We played our, our annual match against Cambridge every year, which was that that was one of the weird things about the whole experience in that our whole year was based upon this one match with Cambridge at the end of the year. So we played six man team. Um, you played two singles matches. So say you played number one, you played the number one and two from the other team. And, and so on okay, okay. and then three doubles pairs and you play all the other th- doubles pairs so you play if you play singles and doubles you play five matches over two days first to 11 and your whole year was just based around this this one match uh and it, yeah so which was which was funny but um but it, but kind of incredible in, it, in, it, in its in its in its own way um yeah yeah so just on, on that stuff on, on on the admin side because i know you, you have had a role in in the admin in in tennis um and in particular, I guess, on, on committee for the, for the Irish Open. So just tell me a little bit about, about when that was and, and what that role entailed. Yeah, cool. So, yeah, so, I ha- so I've been in quite a lot of admin roles um, in, t- in tennis, for better or for worse. So I was, I was on the tennis committee in Fitz and I was on the executive committee in Fitz. I was on the Leinster Council. I was on the, um, I can't remember what else um, comes to mind. But yeah, probably most prominently in terms of what was you know, um, required quite a lot of work and was, it was quite rewarding was I was the chairman of the, the organizing committee for the Irish Open for a number of years. I'm going to say maybe as many as five years. Um, and look, it was great. So what, what that entailed was, was, you know, it was a couple of things. So, so one, it was sort of organizing all the kind of um, the club side that needed to be done to, to kind of get the tournament off the ground, right? So you need to get the club, the club obviously to sign off on it. Then there's, there's various things that need to be done around getting the club ready so you know Eamon and Fitz those who know him is a kind of facilities guy unbelievable you know just kind of say Eamon tournament's happening and he kind of make it happen but you know um, you know stands don't appear by themselves you know walkways don't appear by themselves courts don't get prepared by themselves etc but that was obviously one aspect you've got to get then the um, just the, the umpires and the and the, and the lines judges etc looked after you know food hotels etc uh, actually it's one of the just as an aside, it is one of the, the biggest costs to having the event is that because we don't have uh, that many, we have a couple, but not many of the of umpires who have the requisite qualifications to um, to work at the event. 
it means that we have to rely on, on getting people over um, from the UK, you know, ref, referee and umpires. And then you've got to obviously pay for their hotel rooms and, and their food, et cetera, for the week. So that actually puts a quite a, a substantial cost on the, on, on the, um, on the tournament. Um, other thing, which is kind of sponsors, kind of looking after sponsors, getting obviously getting sponsors and getting the money in, and then and then making sure they're they're looked after. And then one of the other things I looked after was sort of the kind of the, the comms, so writing kind of daily reports, releases, um, you know, press releases, internal member releases, trying to get people to come and watch, telling people what happened, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and kind of all the years I did it, um, always did it with um, Aileen Rogan from Tennis Ireland, who was the Tennis Ireland. Um, she was great to work with. We, we, we were a pretty good team, um, but it was it was quite a lot of work. And I suppose if, 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 if two points that come up when I when I kind of think of the Irish Open and 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 the admin side sort of generally, is I'd say one thing I, I'd call out um, is that I I got quite involved in that. I find we struggle to get people, both younger people and also maybe people who have experience of playing tennis at a you know a reason a competitive level shall we say a kind of upper national level um, or better if ideally right involved in in the admin side um and then you talk to a lot of people who are younger and people who are of that sort of playing level and they they, they do kind of give out a bit about about the admin um and you are kind of, you know and, and 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 not not to say that their criticisms are, are never unjustified but there is a bit of well, what would be great is to get more of, of those type of people in, involved as well. It it's, it is very easy to to criticise. It's it's a, it's less easy to kind of roll up your sleeves and, and do the work, you know. And I was you know I, I did do you know quite a lot of work on that side in my twenties. I'm now in a position where I've got you know two kids under three, busy job, not not really a goer for me right now. And and, and obviously there'll be plenty of people who are who are in that position uh, as well. But I suppose I would encourage people who maybe do have a bit more free time. Who are you know very interested in tennis? Who might have a, some experience at you know playing at a competitive level or or following that type of even tennis at that level to to, to get involved to 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 volunteer because you know that I think that would be helpful. Um, and then the second thing and a, and a kind of totally different point, but what occurs to me whenever I, I kind of t- think about the Irish Open as well is you know it was a, I, don't, I think it is a great event was a great event. If anything, it was almost too good if that makes sense. So. And I think this is almost an this is an issue when I think of you know of Irish tournaments more generally. We we tend to either do them really well or not do them at all. And you'd almost be better off doing more at a lower level, right? So 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 we had the Irish Open. I know we, we had you know Carrick Mines event as well, so got up to two, which is which is good. And then we also when I first started doing it, it was male only, and let's get the women involved, which was which was great as well, and and and, and certainly should should remain the case. But you know the Irish Open in Fitz was it was a really big event you know in terms of how much effort went into it, how much it cost, all of those things, and you know I'm sure you know if you talk to the guys, the futures guys who've gone and played, you know, 30 events in Tunisia or 30 events in Turkey or 30 events in Egypt or 30 events in in any of those countries which run futures week in week out week in week out, they would say that. You know those tournaments are nothing like the Irish Open in terms of how they're put on. You know the scale of them, the quality of a lot of the things associated with them. But they have 30 events. You know, so which is probably better if you're a player. You know <laughs> to, that you, you can play week in week out without traveling. So if we could find a mechanism whereby we could have more events, you know, more futures and more uh, ITFs, 
Um, that would probably be a better outcome necessarily than having one or maybe two very, you know, well put on, very well run, quite costly, quite time consuming uh, events, which is what we have, yeah. you know, at, at, at the moment. And, and as I said, there's certain things that make that difficult for us in Ireland because, you know, you're going to have that fixed cost of, of umpires and putting them up, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I would say that would almost be a better equilibrium to have sort of more of more events that might not, you know, cost as much in terms of your time. And, money. Yeah. and, and I'd almost extend that even beyond just, you know, pro events. Even if you look at our, our, our tournaments, you know, our national tournaments, you know, generally it's no tournaments for a lot of the year, you know, maybe some match plays at junior level, but, you know, quite a few, you know, not much in the way of tournaments, particularly you know at senior level, and then there's some of the tournaments, and every tournament has you know class one, two, three, four, five, six, seven singles, doubles, mixed, takes the all the courts from the club, requires ten people from the club to give up a hundred hours of their time, be there till midnight every night, you know, and look, th that's great that people are willing to do that, and lots of those event those tournaments are really enjoyed. Uh, and I'm certainly not saying we should get rid of them by any stretch of the imagination, but you'd almost be like, if we could have, if we could convince people that there are ways to run a, a tournament that don't necessarily require having every class and giving up all your courts and having to have multiple numbers of your members give up an incredible amount of their time, would that put you in a better position to actually have more events and more competitive opportunities for players? Uh, and maybe that would potentially be a, a better equilibrium. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Um, and I, I just want to, I'm very conscious of your, of your time. I just want to, want to ask you um, what, what your favorite thing about tennis is. Just to... Jesus. Yeah, um, it's a good question. I, I, I can't really, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you kind of one, one thing, but, you know, I've, I've, always, I've always loved tennis. Uh, and, and, and still do. And I, I think it's just, a, it's a great mix of things, right? So, there's obviously uh, you know, skill is really important. You know, there's, there's some sports which are all kind of strength and power, but you know, tennis skill is really important. But you know, physicality is also important. You got to be you got to be fit. And then there's also a, you know a, a really strong mental component as well. So a, a sports go that mix of you know skill, physicality, and mental. I think tennis it's tough to find a competitor that combines those three elements as well. Um, there's also a a certain maybe fairness is the wrong word to it, but like, I, I do think as a tennis player, if you look back on all the matches you played, like there'll be exceptions, but the vast majority of matches you, you won, you deserve to win. The vast majority of matches you lost, you deserve to lose. You know, like that, that the scoring system is kind of genius in its own way. And then it, 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 it does almost always ensure that, you know, the guy should have won. And yeah, look, you, after the match, you'd be like, oh, if only I'd done this or if only done that, but, but you didn't, right? You know, whereas, you know, other sports, there's, there's quite a, I think there's quite a bit more randomness involved or, you know, one of the beauties of tennis as well is, you know, often it's either, it's either singles or doubles. And I've always been someone who's naturally drawn to team sports, but I tend to be better at, at individual sports, so I've played them more. And there is something as well about like, you know, you can't really, you know, there's nowhere else to hide. There's no one to blame. You can't say we lost this match because this guy on the wing didn't cross the ball when he should have or just, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's, you know, it's, it really does, it's an examination of yourself, you know, uh, and you know, you win, you lose. And I, I, I'd like to think I'm not like a bad loser that I can, I, I, what I can do, what I think I can do is when I do, when I'm in the match, I am very, very competitive, really, really, really want to win, get very focused on that. 
And then if you lose, you know, you can come off and say, well, look, at the end of the day, this is just a tennis match. It doesn't really change anything. And I think trying to have that kind of combination of, you know, being very much in it when you're in it and then being able to, you know, put it in perspective when you're when you're out of it is yes is, 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 is a it's a, it's a good thing to have if you can if you can absolutely. maintain it sometimes easier absolutely. than other <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah no that's really good and mark i really really appreciate your time it was great to talk today and um, big thanks for for coming on look adam thanks for you for having me on as i said at the start you know uh you've had far more illustrious people than than, than me on uh certainly in terms of their their on court accolades um and look great that you to, to to talk to somebody as passionate as as irish tennis as you are great great that you're doing this and that you're you know you're getting the people like myself who are interested in what you know the the Conan Islands and the young Casey's and, and all those guys have to say about tennis that you're getting them on and, and, and sharing their views. I think, it, I think it's great. Uh, and, you know, keep it up. Absolutely. Thanks. Yeah. Now uh, I'm enjoying doing it. I think it's a good, good to do. And yeah, absolutely. Thanks very much. Good. Thanks. Thanks, Adam. Thanks a million. A big thanks once again to Mark Carpenter for his time, for coming on to the show and talking. Um, it was really great to, to talk to Mark and to get his thoughts on, on issues in Irish tennis, uh, get to hear about his experiences and what those experiences have have taught him about about tennis and about tennis in Ireland in particular. And um, I really feel that there's a lot more we could talk about, and maybe um I can get Mark back on in, in the future at some point for for an, an, another chat. Uh, and also a big thanks to you for listening to this episode of the podcast. I hope you did enjoy it. If if you did, I would uh, encourage you to like subscribe leave a comment it uh, really really does help so thank you in advance for that uh, and and also to, to share the podcast with anybody else you think might be interested that's all for this week uh, until next week i will be back next week with another episode so uh, do keep an eye out for that it's going to be a, a really great episode next week so until then i've been adam and goodbye